Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to my Quantum Living Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything at the intersection of science and spirituality. I'm your host, Anna Anderson, quantum coach, Reiki master, intuitive counselor, and above all, an inquisitive soul. Since my early childhood, I've been on the quest to find out how life really works. And the best clue I've got so far is the sacred alchemy of physics and metaphysics, science and spirituality, mind, body and spirit, which together reveal the truths we all want to know. Who am I? Why am I here? What is life all about? How can I live my life to realize my highest potential with fulfillment, prosperity and joy? How can I manifest what I want? I'd love to share with you on this podcast what I have learned over the years and bring you inspiring conversations with my guests who will share their expertise as well. So sit back, relax and enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome back to Quantum Living. Today's episode is one of the nine weekly bonus episodes I am releasing during the Christmas and New Year festive season, in addition to the regular episodes coming out every second Wednesday. These bonus episodes were first published on my podcast a few years ago, and later on, at some point, they were removed from the RSS feed as the production was somewhat outdated. I have now decided to bring them back to you, refreshed and remastered in line with my current production framework. The quality of the conversations, insight, humor and deep thought, however, is the same. You might notice perhaps a different style of my interviewing, a different pace or approach, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. After all, This is not about me, but about the contribution of those guests to the narrative of the intersection of science and spirituality in the field of their expertise. What they have shared with me and you on these podcasts is timeless, relevant, often profound, entertaining and fun. (laughs) So sit back and enjoy these bonus interviews, and if you like, please drop me a line on my podcast website about your experience. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's begin. Welcome back. In part two of this two-part special, we continue our inspired conversation with Victoria Cochrane, a professional psychic and spiritual healer on all things psychic. Well, Victoria, we have covered a lot of ground here already, but there is still so much more. (laughs) Let's talk about the soul versus spirit versus the higher self. Okay. There are several different views on the nature of these three aspects and the relationship between them. In my understanding, the spirit is the creator, the highest intelligence, omnipotent and omnipresent, that created all that is, including souls. A soul is an individualized expression of the Creator, which has its own life experience plan, including incarnations on physical planes. 
the higher self, is the conduit between our ego personality and mind and the soul. So that's my own hierarchy of understanding mm. of these three aspects. In your book, Universal Truths, in the chapter Speaking to the Soul, the channel material presents a different explanation and a hierarchy. Could you please speak to this topic? So when we talk about people, we talk about they're a beautiful soul, they're just a beautiful soul. So they are that individual expression. But when I look into a person's soul space, I can see maybe even eight, between eight to 12 soul aspects within that soul that represents different lifetimes that that person has lived. Interesting. So um, the soul carries the knowledge of all the, the, uh, the lifetimes that we've lived and the knowledge of that, but it also can really hold a lot of karma and it can also hold a lot of heartbreak and trauma. Yes. So we carry that within the soul. The spirit seems to be the expression of or the personality of that person. The masters have explained to me that mammals, all mammals have souls and spirits, whereas mm -hmm. birds have spirits but not a soul. So birds will have a personality, but they don't actually go on from lifetime to lifetime. Okay. So it, it's a very I, – I, I've got to say I still don't understand it, but I, I just bring it all through the way that it's brought. And actually in, in my fourth book, the masters are going even further okay. to um, talk about the difference between the soul and the – uh, spirit, but the soul stays within the body. The spirit can leave and astral travel and come back. And so, a soul, as long as a soul is within the body, a person can actually, if they're in a coma or something like that, their spirit can be sitting on the ceiling looking down. The person's still breathing and everything, um, but they're not there. It's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. Mm. The higher self then is. I would say attached to the soul and part of it, it could be one of the soul aspects that are held. And I've had, I've had people who have uh, really had trouble integrating belief systems and it's been one soul aspect uh, that just could not come because of their lifetime experience in the lifetime where they came from, have not been able to integrate that and I've had to actually bring that soul aspect out and do a, a healing of that soul aspect and put it back in to the soul space. The soul is something that goes on, but the spirit can change. Okay, so this is a very different scenario to my own understanding, but mm. I think that in the end, whatever the person's understanding of these three aspects of our spirituality is, yes. as long as they have a good relationship with each of them, that's, right. that's what really matters, doesn't it? Well, if you consider that, people can have had many incarnations, but the essence of that person as they were in that lifetime, still still exists for me to connect with in this in the spiritual world. But their soul has moved on to newer things and towards evolvement and, and uh, mastery. You have just touched on a very tricky part 
of the incarnation process, mm. which is difficult to understand in our linear concept of life. I'd like to share with you and our listeners my own intuitive understanding of how this works, which in fact I write extensively about in my book that I'm currently working on. Okay. I believe that every soul fragments itself to live many lives concurrently on our human timeline and independently as different life experiences. I also think that that's because a soul wants to experience and accomplish so much that a linear progression of just one life after another is not enough. Yes. When the body dies, that soul fragment goes back to spirit where it exists indefinitely with its own identity, living a life of their choosing on the higher planes, and deposits, if you like, all its memories and experiences into the soul collective, which all soul fragments can access. Mm. This would explain our memories of many past lives and even future lives, or our other lives, yes. and also it would explain how we can contact our loved ones who passed away long ago, our great-great-great-great-grandma, as well as many famous people who have been gone from this plane for centuries. So while their soul, or greater soul, or the soul collective, continues on its journey through new incarnations and lifetimes, the soul fragment, who was our great-great-grandfather or the King Solomon, will always exist in spirit, and if we are able to contact them, they will have memories of their personality and their life experiences with us. What are your thoughts about this? Yes, absolutely. I like that explanation because that would explain why we can have different fragments of souls or soul aspects, I call them soul aspects, within one soul. And also we can have twin souls where uh, you have two bodies but uh, you share a soul, that's the twin flame or divine union. So, yeah, I do like that explanation, Anna. Victoria, you have written three books which are channeled material, as I understand. Now, these books talk a lot about the spiritual ascension, which took place in 2012. Yes. Could you explain what is ascension, exactly what happened in 2012, and what role does ascension play in our spiritual awakening and the evolution of human being? Yes, absolutely. A big topic. <laughs> Profound well, the topic. The <laughs> of the earth has been foreseen by the Mayans and uh, it's been written, I think, since the beginning of time. And Archangel Michael actually talks about our fall into ego and then how we needed to go through that so we could then come back into our ethereal selves uh, as pure, as pure, pure spirit and into oneness with the creator. So we've actually gone into separation and now we're coming back into oneness. Yes. He talks a lot about that. We actually did, I had a, a, a group at going at the time, a spiritual uh, group, and it was a course like I had done. And um, so on the 12th of the 12th, 2012, we got together and we, we did a um, meditation. 
there were quite a few people at that time doing preparations uh, with the masters in meditations of opening portals and vortexes to allow the ascended state of Mother Earth to occur. So we actually in meditation did see Mother Earth rumble through a portal and we were all holding it and then she ascended and was a lot brighter and we could still see the old earth and we could see the new earth and it's on the picture. It's a picture that uh, my beautiful friend Renee Stubbs drew because she was in that meditation too and we all really saw the same thing which was pretty exciting in itself. So what has changed? What is the difference between the Earth in 2012 and now? Is Ascension a continuous process? Is there another one coming? What's the deal with Ascension? It's, it's a continuous process. Ascension is uh, the raising of consciousness from separation, from belief in separation to belief in oneness and, the, and connection. Because spirituality is all about connection. Yes, I agree. The human spirit, the human soul spirit, whatever you want to call it, wants to belong, wants to be connected and feel that uh, it's a part of the earth and a part of the all, which is the universe, which is huge in itself. But the all encompasses all living and non-living matter on every planet, on every star, in every galaxy. And so ascension is really raising of our consciousness from ego self to our over-soul self and to actually realizing that we're all connected and so we're all responsible for uh, every thought um, and every uh, action that goes out into the human collective consciousness. So ascension is about raising our vibrations from separation to oneness. So the third dimension, or 3D, is ego, materialism, greed, politics, drama, and serving self. And we've been through that, and it's still going on, and it still will always be there. Mm -hmm. But the more people begin to realize that every thought creates their own reality, that we're not doing life, we are beings who can learn to be in stillness and oneness with each other, that we create our own reality. We're not waiting for a bolt of lightning to come down and strike us all and just suddenly create wondrous things, that it is our responsibility to do so yes. and that what we do affects people around us. So once we start to realize that, then we're moving up into the fourth dimension, which is a state of becoming and realizing that uh, we're not the only people in the world. It doesn't all just revolve around us mm -hmm. and that we are all connected and that we all need to look after each other. And then the fifth, the fifth dimension is the ascended state, which is tolerance and oneness and living in uh, unconditional love and believing that we all connected to source, we're a divine, we're a spoke of the divine wheel, and that we are uh, co-creators. Now, the only thing with that is that it's not a linear process. It's a work in progress, a process that one has to be very conscious of. It's uh, being conscious of um, our consciousness. We can move from the third dimension to the fifth dimension to the fourth dimension within a minute just by the things that we say. Excellent point. If you say, oh, I really hated that and 
I can't stand him. You're in the third dimension. But then in the next thing you're saying, wouldn't it be lovely if we could go and help Mrs. Thing next door and just do her garden? Suddenly we're, we're seeing that we can be helpful. So we're in the fourth dimension and we're always in a constant flux. So we're never going to lose the, the third dimension. But the more people who are aware that every thought creates, that we create our own reality, we are empowered then to actually start to change our world. Absolutely. See it in a different way. And that's how we ascend. In fact, I always say that the savior of the world is for every person to love themselves and to believe that they are worthy. Because when you do, then you will give love. You can love other people and you will allow people to love you. And there'll be no judgment. You'll allow everyone to be on their own journey. And suddenly you'll start to see things from a much different perspective. The simplistic view of it is, is your glass half empty or is it half full? Absolutely. And immediately the vibrations of that is, is a lot higher. I really like your explanation here, Victoria, as I think it is important for us to understand that in this context, ascension is not just a one-step process. Absolutely. Where one minute we are on the third plane, and then the next we find ourselves on the fifth plane, literally. I mean, there could be some specific cases of masters ascending as a light body within an instant. And of course, Jesus is one such example. Yes. But to the vast majority of people, ascension is a process. Yes. And the key aspect of this process is that it fluctuates depending on the frequency of our energy. When we are in a negative state of mind, hence in a low vibration, we are on the third level. When we have positive thoughts and emotions with love, compassion and service to others, we raise our frequency to the fourth and the fifth level. So these are not specific locations, if you like, but frequencies of energy. Exactly. That's beautiful, Victoria. I am really loving what you have just said. Now, moving on from this point, there are tools we can use to facilitate this process. And one of such tools is meditation, specifically theta meditation, which is one of my favorite topics. (laughs) As you know, I teach theta meditation and have recorded several guided Theta meditations, which are available on my website. In my meditative practice over the years, I have researched the amazing properties, including healing and psychic abilities, of the Theta brainwaves, especially at their top end of around 8 Hz, and have developed a technique which I use in my guided meditations to achieve this state. We normally go through Theta very briefly twice a day, just before falling asleep and as we are waking up. It is difficult to slow down our brain waves to theta at will while we are fully awake, but this can be done if we know how. <laughs> and in fact, I call theta meditation the game changer and wrote about it on my website as well. Now, you are an advanced theta healing practitioner. Could you tell us about your experience with theta And how do you use it for healing? Yes, thank you, Anna. Well, theta 
is the brainwave. And so theta healing teaches uh, people how to, it's called go up and work with God. So to connect to the seventh plane of existence, which I see as a sparkly white light and it's unconditional love and the highest truth. Okay. And there's a process, it's a very rigorous uh, course that you do, the, the base, and it's DNA healing. So everything, uh, all healing is done with the unconditional love of the creator and that's no religion attached, just the highest energy and consciousness and needs to be witnessed by the healer. So I'm not actually the healer, I'm the witness. And so the visualization is very important. Viana teaches how to connect to the creator and go through all the planes of existence and connect to the creator. But there's a lot of remote viewing that I do. As an advanced theta healing practitioner, it, it all works on belief systems is what I need to mention is that Everything we do and say is based on what we believe about the world and our place in it and ourselves. And so if we have very negative belief systems about ourselves, then we can go to a counsellor or we can do a lot of things. There are a lot of modalities that work on changing belief systems and how we feel about ourselves and lifting trauma and all of that. Even Reiki does that. With theta healing, it's instant. So it's it's the working on the premise that the seventh plane of existence has no conditions. Mm -hmm. So it's the ultimate plane of manifestation and instant healings, and it's all unconditional love. If we're working in the seventh plane, which is the creator of all that is or the source of all that is or the all, then everything in the universe is created in unconditional love, and that is game changer. We can believe something but not know what it feels like. So we can believe that we're loved. But if we've, if we didn't grow up being loved unconditionally by our parents, we don't know what it feels like. So the feelings are very important. So in the advanced theta course, you receive a lot of downloads. Downloads are called feelings or feelings are downloads of what it feels like to be loved unconditionally, what it feels like to be connected. Right. That basically is uh, what I learned. We also learn how to connect to um, the fourth plane and, and, and all those kinds of things. But there's a lot of remote viewing um, done so I can take my energy over a person. But I just have to say that um, while I use what I've been taught in uh, the DNA healing uh, modalities, it grows. It, it develops on its own and it becomes a personal more, uh, as my gifts have grown and as my clairs strengthen, I start to be able to see everything attached in an aura or go back to a past life and do things actually that I haven't been taught in the theta courses that possibly are taught in later courses. And so you did ask uh, earlier about amazing healings and things that I've done. Yes, there's been, I learn, I'm learning all the time. But the thing, um, the thing that I do is that I trust in the creator to show me and I just wait for it to light up so I can actually remote view. I will always remote view over the person with permission and just uh, tune into their energies, into their aura, see their chakras. But if they're having physical issues, illness i'll be looking for the belief systems that might underpin that yes and i'll also be looking for emotional trauma that might be attached to it and uh it might be held in a certain organ every organ holds different 
feelings and emotions and each chakra is attached to organs and it's all connected. So I'll just wait for Creator to show me and I'll, it will light up and I'll suddenly say, or I'll see red on a person's left shoulder and just say, you're having trouble with your left shoulder. And they say, yes, how do you know that? Um, <laughs> and then I'll be able to put my energy in it and, and maybe see where it comes from and go back on the timeline go back through their soul space or whatever, see it from a past life. So there are lots of things that I've learned to do that have stemmed from that, but just in my abilities to work in the theta state evolved. Mm. Victoria, could you give us a few interesting examples of your work with clients, either readings or healings? Yes. Yes, well, one was just very recently where uh, a good friend of mine actually uh, lost a pendant that held her mother's ashes, and she was absolutely distraught. Her mother passed away four years ago, but she just had this little pendant with just a little um, touch of her ashes in it and had lost it. And she put a post up on Facebook, which I shared, and uh, then she contacted me and said, oh, could you please look into it and see? And uh, she had two places where she possibly thought she might have lost it. I remote viewed over her and I just asked to be shown the point in time where she lost the pendant. And I could see her, so I see it a bit like a screen, like on a movie screen, and I could see her leaning into the car with a child and it didn't look like one of her children. And she said, yes, she'd been taking her niece to special care and had been fosking in and, in and out around the car. And then I could see it on the ground, but there seemed to be a garden. And in both the places there were car parks and it didn't seem to be the right place. So then I called in her mother he'd passed over I thought mm-hmm. well it's her ashes she's going to know where it is <laughs> well if anyone and, uh, knows she does <laughs> if anyone knows she will and she just kept saying the first time she said look behind the bushes and then I asked her again like I thought well I'm going to check this again uh, look behind the bushes and I could see it in a garden and so I'd been contacting my friend back and forth and then I said did you park near a garden I'm sure it's in the garden, look behind the bushes. And she said, oh, my goodness, uh, it's where I picked my niece up. There was a garden and right where she parked behind the bushes, that's where wow. she fell. And then I said to her, your mum came in. I, I called your mum in and she told me where to look. And uh. so she just found that really special. And, and I, didn't, uh, I didn't want her, she's a friend, I didn't want her to pay me for that. But I said, look, if you find it, give me a plug. And so she did. She And... Uh, and then the exchange of energy was I got a few people come to me for uh, for uh, another one, uh, amazing one, of how I, bec- how I became really wonderful friends with and um, who wrote the foreword for my third book, which is The Alignment of the Universe, Messages from Other Worlds, was that uh, she had a daughter who was really sick with an inoperable brain tumour and um, despite all our attempts to save her and do healings and they did everything they could, uh, her body couldn't cope and she passed away. Mm. And I said to them, and I didn't know them at that time, but I said, look, ring me at this time and I'll connect with her and uh, 
and her name's Alyssa, and we'll connect with her and I'll see if I can get a message for you. And I actually connected to Alyssa before the, the call and she was this beautiful angel and she said she was in the seventh plane and she said, look, I'm magnificent. I said, you are, you are. What is your name? She said, my name is Alira. I said, that's a beautiful name. So then when her parents called, I told them that um, she was an angel and that she uh, that she says her name's Alira. And Ange said, uh, and she was seven when she passed over, but she said, do you know, when she was five, she was outdoors playing and I walked past and I said, what are you doing, Alyssa? And she looked me straight in the eye and said, my name is Alira, not Alyssa. Wow. I just got goosebumps. And so then <laughs> I said to Renee, could you please wow. con- contact Alira, Alyssa, and draw her? And she drew her resting mm. in the seventh plane with a lot of purple around her. And her favorite color was purple. And her parents still wear purple wristbands and they have like a purple day for her. Renee could not possibly have known that her favorite color was purple. It was such a beautiful story. And then I wrote a poem for Alyssa about her being an angel and they actually put that on the program for the funeral. And so... Mm. Oh, what a beautiful and story. And Alira is still around and uh, they sometimes see Alyssa running through the house. That was pretty Beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. Now, you mentioned an exchange of energy. In your recent newsletter, you talk about the need to balance an exchange of energy, which is the spiritual law of equipoise. Yes. This topic is not widely known or talked about. You said in your article that any service provided needs a fair price so that the client values the service and takes the advice given seriously. Yes. But I think there's much more to it. And this law extends to all energy exchange between people. And I really like your statement in the article, God's energy is free, human energy isn't. But I would also suggest that it deserves a qualification. Some might say, well, that's not true, as for example, we should be giving our love freely, which is energy, say to our children and partners and friends, without expecting anything in return. I will say yes and no. It's not about expectations, but about rebalancing our energy flow. Very few highly evolved spiritual people have mastered the ability to serve as a conduit of God's energy to others without needing anything in return. While God's energy is unlimited and can never be depleted, human energy can be depleted and so when we give our energy but don't receive anything back, mm-hmm. this creates an imbalance. What do you think? Absolutely. Well, everything is energy. People emit energy and then absorb energy. So we, uh, everything, uh, money is energy, a smile is energy, food is energy. We exchange energy with one another all the time. Um, a lot of people are givers and they just love to give, but they don't like to receive. 
And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a huge exchange of energy. Like with me, I was just happy for Renee to give me a plug. I didn't want money for it because I was just happy to help her because it was so important. But if the exchange of energy is not fair or equal, then it will immediately put one or both of the people out of balance. Mm -hmm. And that can look like someone getting really upset because They've just spent an hour with a friend and all they did was talk about themselves, never asked anything about them, didn't even say thank you for the cup of coffee and then rushed on. And and the person will end up feeling really grumpy and yes. not wanting to see that friend again. So it's very – the law of equal exchange or equipoise just states that there must be a fair and equal exchange of energy between people to keep everything in balance. And the story of Reiki, actually, and of uh, Dr. Yusui and how he became a Reiki master was that he was just running around after he got this beautiful power, healing everybody, but it started not working because people didn't value it. People weren't feeling uh, that it was worth anything. And so if people don't value the healing or reading that you're giving, then they won't take you seriously and yes. they won't feel that they need to or want to pay you. There, there can be, it's the difference between a fair and equal exchange and just ripping someone off. Um, <laughs> and that's ego, really. God's energy is free. And there, there are a lot of people, um, who just think, well, if you're spiritual, then you're accessing it for free, then you should give it for free. But you've still, had to put the children into daycare or you've had to fill up your car with petrol. You've had to allocate the time to be at that certain place. There's a lot of energy expended just to give the service to a person. Why don't you then deserve to have an exchange of energy? And as long as you're happy with what you're asking and the person's happy with that, then everything will be in balance. Absolutely. And if the work is good, then they will come back, particularly feel that it was a fair exchange. Uh, it's very, very important that we're not sacrificing our energy. Yes. And so much of what goes on on earth is working on a sacrifice of energy where people are actually depleted. You certainly can't do the work. And if you're a mother and a wife and everything, if, if you're the ship. So if you go down because you've just expended all your energy and nobody's helping you or giving you exchange, then uh, that's how people get sick. Very well said, thank you. The exchange doesn't have to be always money, but it is so important to show our appreciation and that we value what we have received. That's exactly right. Victoria, now I would like to go back to my introduction yes. where I talked about psychic abilities bridging the gap between science and spirituality while having their own place at their intersection and that I feel that it is important for us to understand and accept these two flip sides of psychic abilities, so that people sitting only on the one side could gain a deeper understanding of this phenomenon as a whole. Many people still believe that science is the antithesis of spirituality, and vice versa. Mm. And any attempts from either side to combine these two 
have been in the don't go there if you want to keep your job category. Mm, yes. Luckily, this attitude is changing mm. and people are more open-minded and open-hearted yes. and accept that there are things out there that escape logical mm. explanation and listen more to their hearts yes. and their intuition than ever before. What are your thoughts about this? Absolutely. I, I think that it's really hard to believe something if you haven't experienced it yourself. I have to say my husband uh, is still a bit sceptical, but that I think that he's just choosing to be that way because he wants to be a bit stubborn. I don't know, mm -hmm. but I, I totally accept that. He has changed a lot from worrying about me not earning enough money to actually see me see how much I enjoy it, to see how I help people, to hear what people say about how I've helped them and how grateful they are, to really telling me I need to do this. And it was I thought it was going to be a big battle to actually leave teaching to do this, but he had a complete turnaround and can just see how, how happy I am. And for me, it's it's been a, an amazing kind of journey of discovering things that I can do that I never knew that I could and of meeting beings and when you say entities, I mean them in a nice way that I never knew existed and of just opening up the world for myself but for other people. And so, but it's absolutely fine if people choose to kind of shut it off. I, I'm never going to um, shove it down someone's throat. But we all have the ability to be psychic. Yes. And for a lot of people, people who come to me and say, look, I know I've had these abilities, but I've just wanted to shut them off and I don't want to use them. Um, and that's fine. And it, there's never any push from creator or the masters for anyone to step into their psychicness. Look, and it's the way that we use it and it's the intentions that we have behind it too. So I would just encourage people to be open-minded. If there's an illness that you have that no doctor can find the cause for, or if something's unexplained, then chances are it's not a physical thing. Yes, absolutely. And we just need to be open to the possibility that there's life and um, so much more to be explained by the non-physical and by the esoteric. We can hold so much in our bodies that's not held in the physical body and that kind of thing. So that's where a, a person like me who can just, you know, look into um, an illness or a problem or, and just trust your gut on the person and on the, on the psychic and on the, the professional person that you're working with that they feel like their integrity, that you know that you can trust them and they feel right for you. Um, I think is just really important. Certainly the, my energy, I feel, and I'm sure, and I, with your energy, it's, it's from the heart. It's with intent. It's using what we've been gifted with and it's using good. And so give it a go. Yeah. You never know. Absolutely. I know intuitively that all disease and dysfunctions in the body are caused by the negative energy being stuck in there. Even though a medical diagnosis can be made, such as diabetes, ulcers, or even cancer, 
as these are the physiological manifestations of that negative energy. Yes. This is so important to know and understand that I'm thinking of doing a special podcast episode on this topic. Fantastic. Luckily, science and medicine are catching up and given so much scientific evidence and growing, it is now accepted that stress, for example, is damaging to the body and can and does cause disease. Yes. And what is stress? Negative emotion, negative energy. Would you like to speak to this for a moment? Absolutely, but there have been books written like the Celestine Prophecy and and those and those kinds of books that talk about all things energy. And there have been scientific studies done on giving love to one plant and telling another plant that that horrible and and one withered and one and one bloomed. And so I, I can see the aura of plants. And so if love can do that to a plant or hatred can do that to a plant, then imagine what. A lifetime of hatred can do to a human being. And so it, it's all about just, um, bringing ourselves back to what's really important. Um, and that we're all connected and we're all here living life for an experience. But let's all just love each other and tolerate each other's journey and just help each other. And, um, in the, in the meantime, maybe save the planet. And, um, and, <laughs> in the and meantime. Just- as a side effect. <laughs> <laughs> and beyond, look beyond yeah. just what's right in front of us and start to, um, start to take responsibility too. Yes. And that's why you and I are here yes. and lots of other people. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Mm. Absolutely. So, Victoria, as we have only a few minutes left, I would like to ask what would be your key message from this interview, this conversation? And in fact, from your psychic work, could you give our audience a couple of takeaways? Well, for me, it would be just to embrace the unknown and to uh, learn to trust yourself and love yourself. And if things are starting to happen that you can't explain, to not listen to the doubters, but just to do some research around what it might be and who might be able to help you. That uh, as with our discussion of the soul and spirit, there's not just one explanation for things. Science can explain a lot. If we just go into science or we just go into psychicness, we will never get the full picture. So but all I can say is that my journey has been amazing, that uh, I would never go back and will change one thing about it. And um, I'm so excited to be invited to speak with you, Anna, and just to let people know of what a wonderful journey it's been for me, of how I love just being able to help people and to meet so many wonderful people. And that there are so many more possibilities beyond uh, what we're told or taught. And also that we don't need to live with disease or illness. We don't need to live with the reality that we think has been dealt to us, that we choose our own reality based on our belief systems and that we can create a new wonderful world just by changing our perspective. Yes, I hope that can resonate with a lot of people that they might be stuck. We all have a story and our story is really important. But if we're stuck in that story, we can't let go of the old and create something new. So it might have been really terrible. What have we learnt? We're on an onward soul journey of learning and becoming more aware of ourselves 
as spiritual beings and when we embrace that uh, we don't have to be stuck anymore Beautifully said. Well, we could easily talk for another several hours, I suspect. Victoria, how can people contact you? Okay, well, I have a website, which is uh, httpvictoriacochran.com. I have a spiritual Facebook page, which is Reaching Out Spiritual News. That is the name of my newsletter, too, that I put out monthly that can be accessed through my website. Or if you just type in Reaching Out Spiritual News, it comes up on Blogger. Um, and I also have a channelings website, which is victoriacochran44.com. And my email address is victoriacochran44 at gmail.com. Lovely. Could you also tell us about your live show on Facebook each Wednesday? I have um, been lucky enough to be given my own show called The Spiritual Wisdom Hour, on spiritual events directory, Sarah Watkins owns that page, and she has a website, spiritual events directory, spiritual events and directory. But she has the Facebook page, and so I am online for an hour every Wednesday at twelve noon, just helping people to uh, understand a little bit more about what might be going on with them. I do a lot of meditation and I pull cards for the collective. I love it when it's interactive because they'll talk about last last Wednesday someone said, oh, my son has spirits in the house. And so in the end I was able to give a lot of different tips and advice on the things that they might do and I write it up then and if people want it, I can email it out to them. And so then Sarah um, is putting out a publication in December, so I'm an advertiser. I've actually written um, a, uh, an article called, and it is about um, not getting stuck in the story. And so she, because I'm an advertiser, she did an interview with me um, on the publication launch page, but she also shared it on the Spiritual Events and Directory Facebook page, so that can be seen as well. Great. Thank you so much, Victoria, for joining us on Quantum Living. I really enjoyed our psychic talk, and I hope that our listeners enjoyed it too. I also hope that we can chat again about all things psychic. And of course, my best wishes for your fourth book, and for your spiritual journey. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much too. And I just really enjoyed it. And it's so easy to talk to you and and you understand what I say. And I and I just I loved it. I hope we can do another one because I just really enjoyed that so much. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you really loved it, Please post a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to encourage others to listen to it. For the show notes, guest and podcast info, reviews, comments and much more, please visit quantumlivingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to dive deeper into quantum living and explore how you could work with me, please contact me and I'd be delighted to help and support you on your quantum journey. I am your host, Anna Anderson. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, 
Keep your vibrations high and be well.